Welcome to your number one source for technological innovations, ideas, and strategies for your business. Multiply your business's equations and put the odds in your favor. Now, live from Club ITHQ with your hosts, Ben and Sam, this is Tech Factor. Good morning, everyone. I'm Ben. And I'm Sam. And this is The Tech, the Tech Factor. Factor. Jesus, it's it's hard when you're uh, you're off and you're doing your COVID thing, aren't you? So yes, it is. We, we, definitely we did, harder we when you're not sitting in front of each other. Yeah, we did nail it when we're in front of each other the last couple of weeks. But um, yes, we have a little bit of a hiatus, uh, and we are back with another episode of the Tech Factor. The Tech Factor is all about uh, business productivity, IT, and getting your uh, return of your IT utilizing. Uh, basically technology. So we're going to talk a little bit about, we're kind of winging this one today, so uh, we'll see how this goes. We're going to talk a little bit about hacking. So uh, just in general, a little bit about hacking, uh, I guess maybe some common misconceptions about hacking or what hacking is and why hacking isn't, and maybe some of the things you can do to mitigate against hacking if uh, we feel like talking about that. Uh, This is episode 15 of the podcast. So hacking. (laughs) Hacking has uh, some weird connotations to it and is very interestingly represented in in culture and society. I know you, I think you came up with an urban dictionary definition there of hacking, Sam. What did what, what, that say? Yeah, well, I, I, I sort of went searching on urban dictionaries for sort of like a, a funny reason for hacking and, you know, it was like... It came up with the first one was like finding an actual exploit on a computer to, you know, control it or to to make money or whatever it may have been. But then the second one was was your typical urban dictionary about you know taking over someone's Facebook account who forgot to log in. But I, I mean, you know, if we're going to talk about hacking, it's an attempt to exploit a computer system or a private network inside of a computer. Simply put, it is an unauthorized access to or control over computer network security systems for some kind of illicit purpose. That's right. And so uh, hacking uh, has a history of, of sometimes being, um, you know, I mean, there was the, the uh, LOLSEC guys and uh, they did a lot of, great stuff <laughs> um you know so, so i mean hacking can have really great like there was a um there's a cyber security expert in the u.s that uh i can't remember oh i gotta find the article on it but basically there's a few years ago where um he uh basically he, he called out anonymous saying you know they were you know mrs back when anonymous was anonymous and yeah he called them out called them you know basically you know want to be hackers whatever and that he's you know he's a great cyber you know security expert and he can prevent and mitigate against the stuff that they do. And anyway, um, Anonymous decided for the fun of it, they targeted him. They, uh, I think they hacked his, um, what was the, um, not the uh, was it the, the real the real life, uh, was it the MMR, so the MM, um, the morgue, what was, what was the uh, name of that, um, Second Life? Yes. That's right, they hacked yeah, that's, his Second Life yeah, account. Yeah. And like they, they went to town on him and it was so funny, like some of the stuff they actually did. I've got to find the original article, but um, – and it's the uh, same with LOLSEC, you know. A, a lot yeah. of people don't actually know what LOLSEC is. Probably a lot of people listening to this aren't overly familiar with it, but they were basically a um, a black hat computer group. Um, so they used to make do hacking for fun and, and would just do things to be stupid, really. Um, you know, they co- compromised a whole heap of user accounts from Sony Pictures in 2011, and they were the group that took responsibility for taking down the CIA website. 
just random things like that. Um, and they was that was probably in the early noughties. I don't oh know, probably in 2010, 2011 was probably about when they were were mucking around on the internet. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the LOLSEC stuff. Uh, you know, they've got a, a great um, – <laughs> says after midnight in June 2011, LOLSEC released a uh, – 50 days of LOL's statement, which they claim to be their final release. And so they basically, and then they eventually shut themselves down. But um, they had lots of really uh, fun things that they did. Uh, as a, a group rivalry with Anonymous, they did have a bit of rivalry with Anonymous and uh, they all were just basically doing stuff for the fun of it. So I guess hacking can also be one of those things where they, um, you know, they'll hack, you know, celebrities' accounts and do all kinds of silly things um, just for the fun of it. Um, you know, and that is something which, Technically, uh, well, naturally, is illegal. Uh, we can argue that what level of malicious damage it actually um, does, but um, they, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, again, the the I guess it really comes down to um, basically when they start to get into sort of the uh, the I mean, you know, when, well, I guess when they start to attack individual, you know, corporations or government bodies, bodies and stuff like that for you know specific purposes to you know basically deny service or, or, or basically um, you know, cause malicious damage. I think that's when you sort of overstep the line if you, uh, you know, if you, if you hack you know, Kim Kardashian's account and put something funny in that. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to really be upset about that. <laughs> no, yeah. It, it's like it, it's got that very much like we're talking about like the funny side of it, but then there's the, the more organized crime side of hacking um, where, you know, they, they go after large businesses to take money or stealing credentials and fraud and all that kind of stuff as well. So you, you can go from these groups that are just like bored people in their probably late teens, early 20s, um, probably very good at what they do in IT and just mucking around on the internet. And then you've got these major um, cyber crime organizations that are probably linked to um, war and drugs and cartels and things like that that are probably a bit more malicious on the internet. Uh, yeah, I, I think you could probably divide it into uh, a couple of different categories. So you've got essentially your typical um, cyber criminal, so someone who you know would make, do hacking on a regular basis or for a living. They make a lot of money and that's all purely commercial. And maybe a lot of that might be tied back to um, crime cartels or, or you know, um, drug rings, people who basically want to continue illegal activity, make a lot of money, uh, and uh, they're just basically using, um, you know, hacking as another tool uh, to make to make money effectively. So that's the, the typical cyber criminal. Then you've got your state-based actors. So you've got your state hacking, which is for reasons of state. So you've got, um, you know, and, and all the countries do it, whether they admit to it or not, they all do it. Some are particularly better at it than others. And uh, that can be for all kinds of political reasons. You know, it could be reasons to create political unrest, could be reasons to get access to systems or steal intellectual property from government agencies. You know, it could be used for against trade or war or all those, those prospects. So you've got uh, that aspect. Uh, you do have, you, you know, you've got your hackers, you know, literally for the lols. So you've got people who maybe just do it just for the fun of it or, or you, know, you know, script kiddies or people who just want to um, learn about hacking or just, just again, just completely irresponsible people who maybe just want to have a bit of fun. Um, yeah, so you've really got those three key categories. And then you, you do have a little bit of corporate um, hacking as well. So you've got obviously the target, but that really comes back to really the commercial side of it because people don't really – target corporations specifically for um 
you know, for anything other than really money or for, um, you know, state-based reasons. I mean, there's, there, there, there may be, um, you know, I mean, we are seeing, and, and this kind of goes back a little bit to the Maze Ransomware stuff, but I, I, don't, I don't think they really care about what data they, they capture and what data they publish to the dark web. If it's valuable data, they they just do it so they can get the uh, ransom and get the money. So I really I still say, as long as like they this. can, as long as they can make a few coins out of it, they they really don't care what it is. Oh, I, yeah, I I don't I feel like they don't really like when it comes to the corporate stuff, they don't really care about the type of IP that they may compromise or steal or whatever. I mean, again, unless it's state based, which it might be. Like again, we've had instances where they've talked about over the past where. Uh, in South Australia, with the um, some of the uh, naval corporation stuff, where there has been compromises there with with data, uh, and again, that's all you know. That's still taking the intellectual property, but uh, it's not for commercial reasons. It's for reasons of state. I, I feel like if you, you know, if they targeted a um, some kind of corporation which had a bunch of intellectual property, uh, I feel like the only reason for that is, or well, the only rationale for that is, is to make additional money. They don't, they don't really. They just want to basically steal or compromise that data. Um, purely for commercial reasons, not necessarily for reasons of, of stealing intellectual property. Again, if they want to take intellectual property, it, I mean, there is a bit of risk with um, some of them biomedical stuff. But again, that's still, to me, I would still almost classify that as, as reasons of state, particularly when you consider the types of state actors that do take that info, do attempt to compromise that information or get access to that information. Um, so it's a little bit of corporate, maybe, but I'd still say it's either, it's still either. You can still either file it under um, state-based or purely for um, financial gain. So I, I guess, um, I mean, they're the types of hackers, in inverted commas, that, that you deal with. But, I mean, really, it, it's really basically, um, you know, it's either a cyber criminal. I mean, I think that's probably the more modern term these days, but they're not really hackers. They're cyber criminals. Um, you do have different types of hacking. They talk about black hat and white hat hacking, you know, hacking for good, so to speak. Uh, but, again, I mean, th- those types of uh, – those types of terms, really. I mean, you're either doing you're either a cyber criminal, or you know, if you're doing what they call white hat hacking, you're not really. It's not very really white hacks, white hat, so to speak. It's more just you're either doing penetration testing. You're doing a, you're doing a job basically. You're doing something like penetration testing. Uh, you know, you're some kind of cybersecurity expert. That you're actually specifically looking for certain things. And some big uh, companies but- will pay big money for that too. There's actually um, one that's still going along. It's it's been going for about nearly twelve months now. Is Google is offering, I think, a bit over a million dollars if you can crack its Titan M chip, which is in their Pixel line of phones. So yeah, you well, know, there is like that sort of white white hat terms of you know doing a job hmm. but I, I, I yeah i mean so there is a little bit of that white hat stuff there i guess we can go out for a you know there is a obviously google's put a bounty out for that so you know i mean i guess you're right so i mean in that sense that is just pure white hat i mean but i, I still feel like um you know if you're doing white hat on a regular basis you're not really what you know not really a white hat hacker you just you just doing a, a job like we've got you know there's lots of roles in in cyber security or in penetrate you know when again we talk about cyber, you know penetration testing and those types of roles and activities and things you can do and and you know or even in um counter espionage and stuff like that and that's all just a, a job right it's not you don't you don't go into people go oh what do you do i go oh, i'm a white hat hacker you know no i'm i'm cyber security expert or i'm on this or i'm that or whatever i you know, I do penetration testing or something you know that might be a pickup line i do penetration test anyway um <laughs> <laughs> so Right, um, changing the topic. Oh, wait a minute. I've got something for that, don't I? Yeah, that's, that's the one. Um, <laughs> that was so a bit late, but it really, works. <laughs> how can companies protect themselves from hackers? That's one of the questions that we've, we've got here from, from good old Google. 
I, I guess you know we've talked about this before. We've talked about the um, best or well, the essential the five well, the essential cyber security measures to mitigate against cyber attacks, and really that's what it's all about. When you're talking about a a company, you're talking about you know again the majority of people that are targeting companies are targeting them for commercial reasons. So it's a typical cyber criminal. They may or may not be backed by some kind of um, uh, you know crime unit. Uh, and uh, their job is to make money. So they don't really care too much about the company. Uh, they don't really care too much about, you know, in most circumstances, it's just more about ways to make money and obviously businesses with personally identifiable information. So, again, you know, place, you know healthcare, aged care, you know, <laughs> New South Wales transport. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. Uh, that, that, they passed the buck on that one this morning already. That is, that is a cop out. I mean, it's your, it's your data. You should have some ownership over it. I mean, you, you can't. Um, you can't go ahead and and just say, oh well, it's you know, it's not our not our problem because it, the data came from somewhere else, or whatever. But you you got it's your data, you you own it, and you should have a level of control about how you make that data available and how you manage that data. Uh, to then put it onto some other third party is is just totally unacceptable. Yeah, you, they, you really kind of, you can't just be like, oh yeah, we gave authorization for this company to use it because they misused it it's their fault entirely sure it's their fault but it's it's your fault for allowing them to have it in the first place if their systems weren't adequate to store it what kind of controls and measures have did, did they put in place to actually manage uh, that that actual data um yeah. you know I, I know that they i mean and i think maybe it probably comes back to their digital driver's license stuff where they've um they've gone ahead and they've um yeah implemented that program i suspect probably some of that data is you know like a like a test data cache or something they use for people to test digital driver's license systems or something i, I don't know i'm just hypothesizing i haven't mentioned exactly what this random cache of data was sitting around available to everyone um you know was for which again they didn't they, that's the other thing as well right they're not upfront about it and that to me just you know if someone's not completely upfront about what's occurred that's to me that's just an instantaneous level of guilt right there like they you know you why would you hide something and why would you not be upfront about a, a breach if you're not concerned about your level of liability yeah and, and we should probably just note there that what we're talking about there is um this morning on the um the first of september already i didn't even realize we're already in september there um, so from this morning on the 1st of September, um, there's a news article that's stating there's a data breach that has exposed tens of thousands of New South Wales driver's licenses online. So that's what we're talking about there. Um, and it was discovered by Ukrainian security consultant. So, Yeah, and, and, and so that, that data was stored in an Amazon S3 bucket, which is just basically just a, a virtual machine on online. And... Uh, it was basically it was just, it was just it had public access. It was open to all. So if you had access to the URLs, you could access the data, and, and away you went. So it, it was uh, very open. And uh, again, the uh, transport New South Wales put it on someone else, but the reality of it is, it is their data, and you've got to have ownership over your own data. And that's why we have, you know, when you develop systems, particularly because um, you know, more and more these days, and something I guess to be conscious of as a business is every. You know, every program that you have has levels of integration in other programs, and a lot of that is done through what's called an API, which is application programming interface. And it's really important uh, that APIs are, are well developed, well rounded, and have the sufficient levels of security in place, and and basically various levels of permissions in place to enable appropriate API access, because uh, that is where. Uh, 
businesses can come unstuck is certainly, you know, if you've got a, because it's always about the weakest link. You may have a program yes, which, definitely, you know, as, as, you know, you might have some program which maybe you barely use, but it's, it's got an integration with the rest of your accounting system or whatever, and maybe it doesn't have two-factor or, or, you know, what have you. And then as soon as someone gets access to that program and they've got access to utilize that API, now the API is not sufficiently secure. It is a, it's a great lateral way for um, for a cyber criminal to get access to your network and get access to all that data. So, I mean, I, I guess, look, we'll, I'll, I'll go over it briefly, and we've gone over it a number of times, but the essentially um, the, the ways to protect your business from the hackers. So, the, again, primarily when we're talking about a business, we're talking about cyber criminals, we're talking about it for commercial reasons. So, uh, again, it's about mitigation against um, typically the type of thing that, that would occur would be some kind of malware payload, again, done at, done at mass level. So, we want to make sure that we've got two-factor everything external. We've talked about this in webinars and in 101 podcasts already, but two-factor everything where we can. Um, and if you can't two-factor it, you probably shouldn't allow it. Um, it should, should, certainly shouldn't be available externally. Uh, obviously, good password policies, and we've talked about this in a previous episode of the, of, our, of the Tech Factor, so I won't go into that in detail. But again, making sure you're not, uh, do you know, password patterns, you're not mixing personal and business passwords. Again, you've got to make sure your passwords are completely separate. So good password policy. Uh, again, if you talk about the the essentials, and they talk about obviously backups and daily backups and archival backups, very important. Uh, although when you're talking about things like Maze ransomware, which we've talked about again previously on Tech Factor, uh, you know, again, you, you can't roll back from a data breach. So you want to try and mitigate against some of that before you even get to that stage. So uh, cybersecurity culture, cybersecurity training. Those are some of the really key important things to help your staff identify cybersecurity threats. So they um, remind them the importance of cybersecurity uh, and have someone champion it and have regular training on basically what to look out for and, and how to actually, because you can have some of the best systems in the world, but if you, you know, if your business is run by idiots, it's not going to, uh, you're still going to get all kinds of security um, breaches. And that, that's not to say that staff are idiots. I mean, it's just about a, a training uh, and having the right, you know, the right mindset in place. So, Speaking of training there, man, I was just having a look at something just then and something that I don't think we've actually touched on in the past. You know, we've talked a lot about malicious stuff, but there's one that we that I'm seeing here called insider error, which is where training's really, really important. So it's where employees don't have to act maliciously to commit a data breach. They might accidentally include the wrong person into the CC field of an email, attaching the wrong document to an email that could be going out to third parties, or even doing something as such as with everyone working from home, they might even lose their laptop. Exactly. So and that's th an important point that, to point out. Yeah. That, yeah. So, yeah, you know, it goes down to that thing of it's not always about malicious intent. So there may be just where training is really, really important. So, so one of the, um, the, the key statistics that I've read about previously uh, when we talk about um, backups and, and data was that um, a, a large portion, I think it's actually, I don't know the exact number, but I know it's well over 50%, but well over 50% of um, – basically data loss is is caused by human error so it's not necessarily um you know it's not the crypto lockers of the world or the you know the, the malicious malware that you're going to need to constantly roll back and rely on your backups for it's actually a lot of it is human error and and you, you know you make a good point and that's that's why it's really important to develop the right culture and have the training in place because 
the reality of it is that uh, in a lot of cases, particularly where we're talking about, you know, again, uh, data breaches or we're talking about data loss, the vast majority of that time is actually, and again, it is, you're right, it's not malicious in a lot of instances. So uh, that is something that, uh, again, as a business, you need to be conscious of and, and something you really need to, and you can't put it on the staff um, in, the, in a lot of those instances because really the staff are only doing the best job they can with the train that they have. So it's really important that you have a really serious approach to training. And I mean, you know, it, even if you do it, you know, once a year or ideally probably at least a couple of times a year, two or three times a year, quarterly is amazing. But I mean, most, most businesses that would be hard to implement. So if you can do it a couple of times a year, it's a really good start. And I mean, that can do, you know, that can mean all kinds of things, right? So you can have, so one of the things that, that, that we, um, we do and we have systems built in, um, is the, uh, uh, essentially, some penetration testing. Uh, so you do different uh, phishing campaigns, and then you have follow-up training based on that. So we can see statistics of um, you know open rates or people clicked on attachments or, or done behaviors maybe that they shouldn't have done. And then we have uh, follow-up based on that, and we can do follow-up training targeting specific things that where maybe people aren't necessarily as aware of. So showing people what to look out for and how to manage some of those issues, or you know, you know, basically just understand what they're looking for and and mitigate against some of those types of um, behaviors. So just, you know, so again, the training is, is such a most, it's, um, you know, it's, it's not spoken a lot about, particularly in IT. A lot of times we just talk about, oh, I just install this or, you know, download this software or, or whatever. But the reality of it is that, uh, you know, c- cybercrime in general and hacking in general is, is just as much a social science as it is uh, a technology, right? So, the, the social aspect really can't be underestimated because that's a lot of the time that's the way that uh, hackers or cyber criminals will get access to systems. It's through social engineering. It's through understanding people's social habits. You know, the you know we do have a tendency as human beings to talk about random passwords. Our passwords aren't very random at times. Uh, and, uh, you know, cyber criminals will take advantage of that and they'll take advantage of publicly available information to then gain information to or then get access to systems that maybe uh, aren't so publicly available. So it's being about conscious about what you put online and then it goes back to the training again. And then talking about some of the physical technical things that you can do to, to protect your business from hackers. Well, again, we've talked about the ASD or um, Cybersecurity Centers uh, Essential 8 standard, which talks about application control, backups, two-factor, um, password policies, uh, and so forth. I think I've gone over them a number of times already. Uh, but that's check that out in one of our previous podcasts. We talk about these um, cyber, the ASD Essential Eight. It's a good technical standard of some of the things you can do to, pro- to protect yourself from hackers. But then, really, that social aspect that we've talked about already today. So I feel like that's probably the most underutilized thing that people kind of forget about. And I feel like that's where you're going to have, you know, honestly, that's going to be where you're going to have the biggest impact. I think um, you'd probably agree with that, Sam. I imagine. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and I suppose it all comes down to you know how you were talking earlier, Ben, about the the weakest link. So, you know, you, you can go touching back on training. There is, you know, you you can have some of the most state of the art security software and and penetration testing and all that kind of fancy stuff, but if you have a whole team of people that aren't aware and aren't well-trained on how to mitigate some of those basic things, then none of that stuff that you've probably spent thousands and thousands of money on mean nothing. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, and look, most, uh, again, if you engage a a manager provider, most of them will cover off on 
most of the basics around the essential eight. I mean, some some of it is a little bit more specialist. So, and again, the cybersecurity training on those things, you're going to need to engage some a little bit of specialization in cybersecurity. Uh, so, um, certainly, uh, I would recommend that. But again, if you just want to start somewhere and you just want to help prevent your business from getting hacked, the, the easiest and simplest thing you can do is is look up some free online training and just you know literally just start plastering around the office. Uh, have a little meeting, talk about cybersecurity, just get people talking about it. It is the simplest thing you can do straight away right now to pretend, prevent your business from getting hacked, basically. But, um, you know, there are lots of, um, you know, you still need the basics in place when it comes to the technology side. You're still, uh, I would say these days, EDR over AV, something we can talk about maybe in another podcast. Uh, but also, um, you know, all the other basic technology control measures and patching systems and and obviously restricting administrative privileges, uh, two-factor, all those things that we've talked about. Uh, really trying to lock down the, the work from home stuff. There's something to be really conscious of with the work from home stuff because a lot of people uh, rushed their work from home configurations. They were like, oh, we need all need to work from home and we need to do it tomorrow. So there are gaping holes in a lot of that security. So again, if you want to protect your business from hackers, it's probably a good idea to review that now, given the fact that I feel like people are going to be working from home for quite some time now, given the, the state of things. So uh, something worthy of review and, and checking out. And uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like that's really what you need to do to protect your business. Um, and I, I can see, Sam, you're looking at the other one there. I mean, how does hacking work? I thought we've kind of already talked about yeah, different types of hacking. Yeah, I, th- I think um, there's, there's not much more to sort of touch on with that. You know, there, there's nothing that we haven't talked about in previous podcasts and you know, you, you don't want to repeat yourself too much. So it's sort of, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, have a look back through what we've got, and we, we touch on it a fair bit in quite a few. We, 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 we've talked, we've spoken about it in the previous podcast about the different types of um, cybersecurity, uh, you know, threats. So, uh, if you check out the previous podcast on cybersecurity or all about cybersecurity, we talk about the different types of cybersecurity threats, and uh, that gives you an idea of basically, uh, I guess, what those threats are, what the types of threats they are, and uh, how they work. Uh, because the reality of it is that I mean, how does hacking work? <laughs> Interesting. I mean, it's a it's a very. Uh, I mean, how long is a piece of string in terms of how yeah. you how you want to talk about how does hacking work? Yeah, I mean, like, do you call walking up to a computer where someone's still logged in hacking, or or is it maliciously covertly accessing a system? Like, you, you can think of it very similar to someone breaking into your house. I mean, someone can take a crowbar to your front door. Or and make a mess of it, or they can find an unlocked window and wear gloves and that, so they don't leave a fingerprint. You know, there's there's so many ways that it works that you almost can't define it in a single sentence. Yeah, and how does hacking work? I mean, it's, it's essentially about finding exploits, and it's about utilizing the, the the tools and technologies that those systems are built upon to basically take advantage of them. So, you know, if we talk about uh, you know, like, like just a classic example of something. Let's say I've got a proprietary application that's used for medical or for booking appointments or patient information. A lot of that is based on a what's called a .NET framework or maybe they might have a SQL database. So it's about if, if, if I'm a hacker, I'm looking maybe potentially some kind of, I want to understand the SQL queries that go between the application and the um, SQL database because that will allow me probably to get into that database and do some hacking. So... <clears throat> There'll be some kind of um, SQL exploit that I could potentially do to get access to that data just by um, 
analyzing how the other uh, programs uh, interact with that database. So, I mean, that's one example. I mean, you know, if we're talking about maybe gaining access to uh, a website, unauthorized access to a website, we'd probably look at the code again and we'd try and figure out, uh, you know, how its authentication works, what type of authentication it's utilizing, if there's a way to work around that authentication, maybe by uh, caching different uh, API keys, authorization keys, or trying different ways like, you know, when you log into a website successfully, there may be a certain key or a certain type of, um, you know, data that is stored on your computer. And again, what there may be ways to manipulate that data to then sort of falsify access to another account, um, just, just to give you some ideas of different ways that you may be able to get access to systems. But uh, we're not here to teach people about how to hack. <laughs> just That's just some examples of how people hack. And But there's 101 different ways and it depends on the systems they're trying to get access to and how they go about it. But um, the other thing as well to keep in mind is that you can actually buy hacking tools on the dark web these days. You don't need to know anything about hacking in it almost um, these days, which is uh, a little scary. But you can actually, because what, what the cyber criminals discovered was they go, well, you know, why, why go to all the effort of having to individually hack people's systems when we can just sell the tools and make more money off the tools? It's like the, uh, the whole gold rush thing, right? It's like, well, let's just sell the tools to the people to, to mine the gold. We don't have to mine the gold ourselves. Yeah, and you don't even so. need the dark web to purchase some of these things. There's there's quite a few brands that are just are just like off-the-shelf products. Um, you think of there's, there's a few products called there's like a rubber ducky, which is like a keystroke logger and then there's like the wi-fi pineapple these pineapple, are all very yeah. interesting tools if you're ever interested in any stuff like that i'm i'm just trying to think of the brand um if, if, uh, if you can think yeah. of it off the top of your head ben but <laughs> oh, so the, i, I the, think the, it's the called hack, brand hack was five well i thought it was pineapple or was it um what uh they're called hack five so h-a-k-5 so if you are interested in that kind of stuff <laughs> it, it it is very cool tech and i mean it, it's not like a plug and play you, you do need to do some configuration and that with these tools but they are pretty cool little fun things that actually can be really useful for IT professionals. Um, so, yes. yeah, certainly for testing, um, like you know, penetration testing and stuff like that. But then the reality of it is, as well, when you when you start to unravel some of this stuff, you realise just how unsecure basic things are, like Wi-Fi. I mean, you know, if, if you're doing anything secure over the internet, you probably shouldn't be using Wi-Fi. Uh, I mean, I, I know it sounds a little bit, a little crazy, a little bit over the top, but um, well, certainly if you're in an environment where you know, you're not like, because I mean, look, your Wi-Fi signal will only go so far. So there is a there is a practical limit to that. But certainly, if you're in a, in a large environment, maybe let's say you, you're a business and you operate out of a shopping mall, uh, and there's you know hundreds of thousands of people maybe going past all the time over the course of a year, and your Wi-Fi signal can easily be accessed outside of the, the shopping mall or outside of your premise. Uh, I would be a little bit concerned. I wouldn't be doing anything secure um, over the Wi-Fi, and that's just because of the fact that. It is very easy to uh, get access to people's Wi-Fi's network uh, if they're not configured properly and a lot of Wi-Fi networks, it's pretty easy to configure essentially a rogue access point to manipulate information, get access to essentially a man-in-the-middle attack. It's not hard to do and, uh, you know, again, it's one of those other things to be conscious of it and that comes down that's why the security we could have a whole podcast about yeah security, I, I was yeah. just going to add a little thing on that and it's, it's the same as using um as a business using your own wi-fi network but also um if you're especially with everyone sort of not working in in offices at the moment is using public wi-fi 
and doing business on it, I would be very, very careful on just random free Wi-Fi networks. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, I would never use a, a public Wi-Fi network for anything um, of any level of uh, importance because the reality of it is that, um, yeah, the, those networks can be very easily compromised and uh, it's something to be very conscious of. So I feel like that's that's a pretty good wrap. That's that's uh, that's um, hacking. We've talked a little bit about this morning about some of the things you can do to prevent your business from being hacked and some of the types of things that uh, can occur and the types of cyber criminals, the types of hackers. Uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. So yeah, that's I'm happy that's to wrap that up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up and let's send it. <laughs> <laughs> sending it. We're sending it. All right. Uh, I'm Ben. And I'm Sam. And we'll see you guys next time. And hopefully I remember the correct button for this one. Let's see.